Check, check. Is this thing on? Check. Oh, it's on. I'm recording. Oh, you're recording? I'm recording. Yeah, what's up? How are you? How you doing? Good to be here. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here as well. We're going to talk about the 50 top posthumous albums. I actually had to uh, all transparency forth. I had to look up posthumous. Actually, I had to look up how to say it too. And it's occurring, awarded, or appearing after the death of an originator. So basically, what the hell does that mean? We're going to take a look at the top 50 albums of artists who died and then went on to have amazing albums. Now, there's some argument there. Would would they, would those album albums been have, would those albums, I can't even talk today, would have been, would they have been as amazing had that artist not died it's always a good debatable topic i'm curious to see what 50 of those are i did see a picture of tupac as i very fast scrolled through so i'm sure there's some good artists some good topics and i'm sure there's some some sad stories of overdoses in these 50 because how many of us know that creative artists sometimes are addicted to drugs it's part of the part of the uh, uh territory i feel like sometimes we're going to get to these 50 posthumous albums in just a second. Um, and also want to mention, I found this article in the addiction recovery e-bulletin uh, email that I get. It's addiction, addictionrecoveryebulletin.org if you want to check it out anywhere. So yeah, I'm glad you're here. Let's get this show on the road. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, content merciless truth, and emotional, emotional nudity. nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, yeah. Little Humans Music. Check out Humans Music. I'm going to try to sing, but I can't do it like Robbie. I'm on hit, so it's time to call. <laughs> Robbie's way better. No goodbye, just sneak to the room. Yeah. I'm spinning around you. You're never bringing me down. I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. You can check us out at thatsoberguy.com. Connect with us on Instagram at RoadThatSoberGuy on Twitter at Shane Raymer. Felt like the Micro Machine Guy. Remember that dude? Dude was fast. I wasn't quite that fast. We're going to talk about 50 of the top posthumous albums. This comes from Lake Geneva. Is that right? LakeGenevaNews.net. I found it out of the Addiction E-Recovery Bulletin. I'll put both links in the show notes. Thought it'd be interesting. When musicians die, their music lives on. In some cases, albums released after the death of the artist brings a a poignant... How do you say that word? What's up with words today? I'm just like scrambling and stumbling, mumbling all over him today. Spider, get out of here, you stumbling, mumbling fuck. Remember that? What was that? Goodfellas, I think. Spider, go get me a drink. Why don't you go fuck yourself, Tommy? <laughs> a great movie. Great movie. Inviting listeners to hear the music in a new light after they have passed away. That's basically what it's saying. Stacker gathered information from various news and entertainment sources like Variety, Paste, Vice, Rolling Stone to complete a list of 50 of the best posthumous albums by some of music's greats. Let's go through, and I believe it starts at uh, 
15 works its way down. The Don Caluminati, The Seven Day Theory by Tupac Shakur. Tupac recorded the tracks for his fifth studio album in August 1996. By the time of its release on November 5th of the same year under his alias Machiavelli. Machiavelli was just listening to that the other day. That's a great album too. Shakur had been killed in a drive-by shooting in Las Vegas. Some say by the infamous. Well, we'll just we'll just leave it at that. Who knows who really did it? There's been countless documentaries on it, though. I've watched a few of them. They're quite interesting, along with him and Biggie. But the album was one of the rapper's darkest, and through Tupac's career was short, or I'm sorry, though Tupac's career was short, he's still considered by many, including other rappers, to be one of the greatest rappers of all time. Baby, West Coast, West Side. I would agree with that. I like some Biggie, though, too. Tupac, miss you, buddy. Miss that music. But that's like the, the, the conversation, the argument, right? What would Tupac be today? What would his career be today uh, had he not passed away in 1996? Or was it 1999? I think it was 99. When was it? November 5th of the same year. No, it was. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was 96. So yeah, but would he still have been? 99 was the year I graduated. Can you believe that? Good Lord. 21 years ago? The old bastard? Mystery Girl, number 49. They didn't do this by numbers. They just kind of went down. So I guess I'm going to have to make up my own numbered list. We'll see. I'm going to move through these. So Mystery Girl by Roy Orbison. Circles by Mac Miller. Mac Miller was a tough one. Released after his untimely death at only 26, man, from an accidental drug overdose. That's rough. Pearl by Janis Joplin released three months after Janis Joplin's death from a heroin overdose at the age of 27 in October 1970. 27 is the lucky number, right? You guys ever seen that picture forever 27? It's got like Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Kurt Cobain, lots of artists dying at the age of 27. Is it a coincidence? Who knows? Definitely odd. Closer by Joy Division. That album is sick. At the age of 23, Joy Division lead singer and lyricist Ian Curtis hung himself in his kitchen just before the band was set to head out on American tour. A vinyl reissue of their posthumous album Closer comes 40 years after its original release in 1980, just months after Curtis's death, proving the timelessness of the post-punk British band. I'd like to get that on vinyl myself. That would be a good one. I do not have any Joy Division on vinyl. I got Mariah Carey, though. Christmas album. Oh, yeah. Looking at that right now. What else did I order? Some Reverend Horton Heat lately I got. Uh, the Streets, original pirate material. That is a sick album. These aren't posthumous albums either. Uh, what else? Some Terror. Some Misfits. Some Johnny Cash. Some Earth Crisis. Some Nina Simone. Oh, I got, I got the Merle Haggard up there right now. Merle Haggard and the Strangers. All right. Enough about my own vinyl collection genius loves company by ray charles the late great ray charles compelled his first album genius loves company a series of debuts with the help of fellow music greats including van morrison sir elton john and nora jones i like some nora jones it was released less than three months after charles death at 73 of complications from liver disease it shot up to the billboard charts won eight grammys damn it was his first top 10 album in 40 years. I think I misunderstood a little bit about what 
posthumous means, I must say. So let me try to understand this a little better. Posthumous means the album was released after the death and went on. Can anyone inside my house be any louder right now? We have yelling going on. We have slamming things around. Hear that? It's almost like she heard. Dreaming of You by Selena. I don't remember that one. American singer Selena was shot dead by the former president of her fan club, Yolanda Salvador. Man, that is crazy. On March 31st, 1995, at only 23. Her fifth and final studio album, Dreaming of You, was the only album not produced by her family. Having left an incredible marker means one of the best-selling Latin albums in the U.S. of all time. Wow. Black Star by David Bowie. Technically not posthumous, but close enough to ting to tinge his last album with the melancholy quality of posthumous works. David Bowie's Black Star is an intoxicating album with a motive of death. Writing for The Guardian, called, uh, Jude Rogers called Black Star the biggest work of death art ever to hit the internet. I have not heard that album before. David Bowie, Black Star. I'm going to have to check that out. Escape by Michael Jackson. Hmm, interesting. This album features eight songs that came from unfinished tracks Jackson originally recorded between 1983 and 2002. Escape was released on May 9th, 2014. I know. Can you imagine just all the tracks that these artists over the years that they record that never get used? There's got to be some stuff out there. Milk and Honey. By John Lennon and Yoko Ono. The recording sessions for the final album release when John Lennon was alive, Double Fantasy, were meant to yield two albums, although Lennon was then shot dead on December 8th, 19. What's up with fans shooting the artist? Crazy. December 8th, 1980, shot by a fan, so he never finished the second album. Yoko Ono did manage to release some of the material. Born three years later in 1984 with the posthumous album Milk and Honey, one of Lennon's sixth and final album together. Or Ono and Lennon's sixth and final album together. Lioness, Hidden Treasures by Amy Winehouse. Another sad story of addiction. The album Lioness, Hidden Treasures uh, featured unreleased songs and demos by Winehouse that was released on December 2nd, 2011. Singer-songwriter Brian Adams took the album's photo, and Winehouse's family gave the okay to record producers Salam Remy and Mark Ronson to put the album together. Winehouse died of alcohol poisoning on July 23rd, 2011, another age of 27 death. That 27 is very strange, gotta say. I didn't realize it was alcohol poisoning either. I thought she had overdosed on a substance i didn't realize it was alcohol even it's just so sad vulnerable by marvin gay i love some marvin gay that dude is legit the third posthumous album by marvin gay vulnerable saw its beginning during a 1967 recording session with bobby scott originally titled the ballads the album was set for a 1979 release though the singer decided it simply wasn't ready and it wouldn't come out until 1997, 13 years after the singer's father 
shot and killed him. What? I didn't know that his dad shot and killed him. Jeez. What in the hell, man? This is there's some there's like all kinds of stuff. Good lord, Tim by Avicii. Did I say that right? Avicii. I've never heard of Avicii. Collaborator finishing posthumous album was so was also a grieving process. Finished by his creative partners was dark and telling. The album title is a reference to Avicii's birth name, Tim Bergling. Tim. Oh, it's called Tim. I see. Okay. Confused. My bad. My bad. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. First Rays of the New Rising Sun by Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix died of a drug overdose September 18th, 1970 at, once again, age 27. The legendary guitarist had released three studio albums, First Rays of the New Rising Sun, released in 1997 after his family regained control of Hendrix's, Hendrix's estate, is believed to be the album he was working on just before he died. Wow. I don't think I've heard that. I'm going to have to check it. Brainwashed by George Harrison. The 12th album by former Beatle George Harrison. Wait, former Beatle? What? George, I'm learning all kinds of stuff today. What's going on here? This is great. George Harrison was released on November 18th, 2002, almost a year after his death from cancer. Brainwash may have appeared during Harrison's lifetime if it weren't for a 1997 throat cancer diagnosis and a knife attack by a fan. What is up with these crazed fans once again? Danny Harrison served as one of the producers on his father's final album. That's cool. Oh, here we go, cuz. Life After Death by Notorious B.I.G. Notorious B.I.G.'s double album, Life After Death, that album was dope. Was released 16 days after he was killed in a drive-by shooting on March 9, 1997 with the prophetic album cover. Life After Death performed well. Racing up to Billboard charts number one. Released by Bad Boy Records. It featured guest collaborators from the hip-hop world, including Jay-Z, Lil' Kim, Puff Daddy. That album was cool, but I actually liked the first album with... Uh, uh, what was it called? Let's see, because it's going to bug me if I don't look right now. Notorious. It had Things Done Change on it. I think that's what it was called, Things Done Change. It is. Let's see. Was that it? Ready to die. Yeah. I think that was it. Respect. No, maybe that's not it. Is that not the one I'm talking about? That's got to be it, though. Things don't change. You know what I'm talking about? No, nobody knows what I'm talking about here. Is it this? Fuck all you hoes. <laughs> it's not that. We know it ain't Big Papa. Who shot ya? See, now I'm just totally getting sidetracked here. Oh, that's why. Because. Let's see, artists. Yeah, see, it's just not on here. It's just not on here. Well, that's okay. That's okay, son. You can do it on the boat. An American Prayer by The Doors. Dude, have you ever seen The Doors movie with Val Kilmer? If you've never watched that, you got to watch that because Jim Morrison, he plays Jim Morrison. It is insane. 
Singer died from natural causes. I highly doubt that. Suspicions remain. The posthumous album featured recordings of Morrison's spoken word poetry and his band handling the backling tracks. American. A hundred American five. A hundred highways by Johnny Cash. Is that five? Is that a V? A V is a five? I believe it is. Yes, the fifth album in Johnny Cash's American... I said the V. It's Roman numeral, Raymer. Come on. The fifth album in Johnny Cash's American recording series produced by Rick Rubin, who's amazing. Lots of production value and albums there. Whole plethora. American Five, 100 Highways, featured two new songs and several covers, including Gordon Lightfoot's If You Could Read My Mind and a network and a reworking of Bruce Springsteen's Further Up on the Road. The album was nine... Ninth number one country album for The Man in Black, who died three years prior to its release on July 4th, 2006. Wow. I love me some Johnny Cash. You guys know that my son's name is Cash, right? Used to drive around going to garage sales back in the day with Grandma Pat after some biscuits and gravy in the morning for breakfast out in Napa, California. We'd be hitting up some garage sales listening to some Johnny Cash, some Merle Haggard, some Willie Nelson. Man, I love that stuff. Take me back. And I've got a definite fondness for Johnny Cash. We went to the Johnny Cash Museum when we were out in Nashville. That was pretty awesome. Saw a lot of his handwritten work. All kinds of cool stuff there. They had some videos. Definitely check it out if you ever go to Nashville. just want to say real quick, too, before we move on, big pun coming up next. If you're struggling, reach out for help. Like, I'm trying to lighten it up a little bit today, have a little bit of fun. And I know that sometimes that's just what we need. We also can slip right back into things really fast. So if you are struggling, you're trying to stop, trying to quit, trying to get some help, man, reach out. You can holler at us, at Real That Sober Guy on Instagram. I'm always open, trying to help people. Uh, You can holler at Promises. Go to thatsoberguy.com. Click on the Get Help tab. There's meetings there, all kinds of good stuff. Just stay positive, stay focused. You can do it. Yeah, baby, by Big Pun. Latino hip-hop artist Big Pun died February 2000 of Heart Failure. Heart Failure, the album Yeah Baby, Big Pun's second and final studio album was released just months after his death. The two of Big Big Pun's biggest hits, It's So Hard and 100%, were featured on the album, which peaked number three on the Billboard 200. Sketches for My Sweetheart by... Wait, Sketches for My Sweetheart the Drunk by Jeff Buckley. Huh. Damn, Jeff Buckley drowned at the age of... God, so many tragic deaths. I know I've said it like five times, but I can't get over it. It's just crazy how short this life is. And you never know. Like all those times I put substance into my body or drank myself over the limit, blacked out or passed out or was sick or whatever. I mean, I could have died. Any one of us could have died. That's why it's so amazing that we're still here and we should take full advantage for all these folks who probably didn't want to die but lost their lives suddenly. Jeff drowned at the age of 30 after releasing one and only album, Grace, My Sweetheart the Drunk, was the original name intended for his second album, which Buckley had been working on before his death. His band completed the tracks from previous recorded demos and session material, adding sketches for to indicate what was the unfinished work. The album was released on May 26, 1998, after one year after Jeff Buckley's death. Man, I'm curious to see how how he died for some reason. I don't know a whole lot about Jeff Buckley, but let's see. Jeff Buckley, 
There it is. So let's see. He's from Memphis. Hmm. Interesting. This comes from Rolling Stone. It says Jeff Buckley assumed dead. He was reporting missing and assumed dead after a strange turn of events while he was swimming Thursday night in the Mississippi River outside Memphis. Wow. Went for a swim and never came back. Damn. Buckley, 30, and an unnamed companion were sitting on a bank of the river listening to a radio. The singer waded into the river, even though his friend called out to him and warned that it could be dangerous, police said. Buckley then floated on his back and began to sing. At that point, a boat came by, creating large waves. Fearing the radio would get wet, the companion got up to move it, and when he returned, Buckley had disappeared. Holy shit, that's crazy. After searching for about 10 minutes, the friend called Memphis police who searched the area by helicopter until darkness interrupted their efforts. The scuba team and Harbor Patrol resumed the search first thing Friday morning. Police have no reason to suspect foul play. Hmm. That is strange. As far as police know, drugs and alcohol were not involved. Maple suggested that Buckley could have drowned down the river, gotten out a different point. However, it looks like the chance that Buckley is still alive looks grim at this time. So did they ever find the body? Let's go there now. We said we now we kind of hear what happened. Did they find the body? Let's see. Man, that is too bad. His body was spotted five days later by someone aboard passing uh, passing riverboat. Yes, we just drowned. Damn, that's crazy, man. Jeff Buckley. All right, how about Shake by Sam Cooke? Now that you know a little bit about Jeff Buckley. Hey, I'm learning with you. I didn't know that. Interesting. Sam Cooke, man, legend right there. The suspicious death of Sam Cooke on December 11th, 1964, was ruled a justifiable homicide. Released in January 1965, his posthumous album Shake included the title track, which became a number two hit on the Billboard Singles chart. It also included an edited version of Change is Gonna Come. Hmm. Confrontation by Bob Marley. Released two years after Bob Marley's death in 1981 from an... Basically, melanoma. Confrontation marked the release of his track Buffalo Soldier. That's the jam. The song became one of Marley's greatest hits and had an interesting story behind it. Love some Bob Marley, man. There are so many memories I have of being in my room at like 16 with all my black light posters and my black lights going down, listening to some Bob Marley, trying to get some marijuana. Just pop Marley it up, son. Ooh, somebody's going crazy. I need, uh, yeah, MTV Unplugged in New York by Nirvana. Man, that album, I don't know if anybody is familiar right now with the MTV Unplugged album by Nirvana, but that is one of my favorites. Super sick. All acoustic um, set. Well, they. I mean, you have some percussion and stuff in there, but it is a total unplugged, like, acoustic-style set. I guess that's hence the name Unplugged. Raymer, come on. Nirvana's frontman Kurt Cobain died on April 5th, 1994 by suicide at the age of, you guessed it, 27. The band's appearance... Five months earlier on MTV Unplugged, left behind a gift of a really loud motorcycle riding by right now. There it goes. Bye. 
left behind a gift whose value no one understood at the time. That raw acoustic performance on November 18th, 1983 became Nirvana's unintentional posthumous album upon its release just a year, under a year later. <clears throat> Great album. I need to get that on vinyl, actually. Do you got it on beta? Do you got it on beta? That came from the doghouse. Thanks for the Dance by Leonard Cohen. Cohen died three years before the album's release in November 2016 at the age of 82. I Care For You by Aaliyah. Remember Aaliyah. She died in a plane crash in the Bahamas after filming a music video in August 2001 at the young age of 22. The title track from I Care For You was written by Missy Elliott and Timbaland and is a romantic R&B ballad. Another sad one. Legends Never Die by Juice World. Juice World, son. Released on July 10th, 2020. Damn, that's just a couple, couple months ago. That's crazy. Just seven months after the rapper's death, Legends Never Die featured 21 tracks. He raced up the Billboard's chart, debuting at number one. Died of an accidental drug overdose, December 8th, 2019. Very sad. I would imagine did not want to go. Way too young to go. A lot to offer. Get you. From a Basement on the Hill by Elliot Smith. I don't know much about that one. There's still questions surrounding Elliot Smith's stabbing death on October 21st, 2003. Though suicide remains the likeliest cause. He stabbed himself to death? The posthumous release of From a Basement on the Hill in October 2004 featured both acoustic ballads and psychedelic rock. The 15-track album featured the songs Pretty Ugly Before and Twilight and was the only Smith album that hit the top 20. Hmm. Elliot Smith's Stabbing Death. Let's, let's look into this a little bit here. We're going to have to take a look here. <clears throat> Around noon, Elliot Smith allegedly stabbed himself in the chest twice following a well-documented fight with his girlfriend, Jennifer Sheba. She admitted this part to the police and neighbors confirmed it based on the results of the autopsy report. The manner of death could not be determined, leaving the real cause of death. How do you stab? Who stabs themselves twice in the chest? That sounds crazy to me. I mean, tw two times? Okay, maybe one time. And you're like, oh, damn, that hurt. I don't think I really want to die. But then you're going to do it again? The Mysterious Death of Mr. Misery, this article is called. What is this in? The Guardian? It's at theguardian.com. I guess I better reference it just in case. I'll put it in the show notes here. For the record. Let's see, where'd it go? The Mysterious Death of Mr. Misery. No one was too surprised when Elliot Smith, a boozy, druggy, Oscar-nominated folk singer who had talked openly about killing himself, was found dead. But then the coroner's report raised a chilling new possibility. Murder. Murder. You're going to jail for murder. <laughs> I don't remember what movie that was. No one could honestly claim to be surprised when they heard Elliot Smith had committed suicide. Plenty of folky singer-songwriters have a reputation for making introspective... Melancholy, depressing music. I added the depressing in there. 
but none quite like Smith's to come to some critics. He was Mr. Misery, a pun on Miss Misery. The song from the soundtrack of Good Will Hunting for which he was Oscar nominated. Oh, that song. I remember that song. It's a good song. He was the unhappiest man in the land. The singer you didn't listen to so much and commiserate with. Who is this? Sorry, my cell phone was going off there. Okay, according to his friend, singer Mary Lou, Smith was at the hair to tragic mantle of her former boyfriend, Kurt Cobain. She was making records for the sad kids. Yeah, man, that's just sad. Sad, sad, sad. Jeff Buckley. Elliot Smith. All right, let's move on. The Dock of the Bay by Otis Redding. Sitting on the dock of the bay. Watching the tide. I don't Tide time, something like that. Awesome song, though. Dock of the Bay was released just two months after Otis Redding was killed in the plane crash at 26. Standards including Billy Hill's The Glory of Love and Jimmy Cox's Nobody Knows. When you're down and out, you were brought back to life with Redding's soulful sound. The title track, Dock of the Bay, became a posthumous hit. Great jam. Grievous Angel by Graham Parsons. Graham Parsons died just days after the completion of Grievous Angel. The album was a blend of many genres, including country, folk, and rock. Was released four was released four months after the singer overdosed his death on September 19, 1973, in the desert. Desert only has one S. Dessert has two. Just remember that in case you need seconds. <laughs> the tail. Oh, damn it! I just broke this pen. The tale is a wild one, even for the music industry. Sounds like it. Sounds so wild, I'm going to move on. No disrespect, but... I Am The Cosmos by Chris Bell. One of the founding members of the Memphis band Big Star, Chris Bell left the group after their first album. His only solo undertaking, I Am The Cosmos, was released in February 1992, 14 years after his death in a car crash at the age of... Holy shit, 27. I did not know Chris Bell died at 27. Just another one. How does that happen? How does so many artists die at 27? The Shining by Jay Dilla. Hip-hop artist Jay Dilla, born James DeWitt Yancey, uh, died from rare blood diseases, TTP, and possibly lupus on February 10th, 2006. Dilla asked his friend and rap artist Kareem Riggins to help him with the, to help him finish The Shining. The album was released six months after his death. Featured guest collaborators Common, Buster Rhymes, and D'Angelo. Piano and a Microphone, 1983 by Prince. The posthumous released Piano... I'm sorry. The posthumously released Piano and a Microphone, 1983 was a demo album released on September 21st, 2018. Though it was originally released as a bootleg album in the 1980s, the album reveals Prince's maturation as an artist and his talent as a pianist prince died april 26 of an accidental drug overdose at the age of 57 prince was dope viola beach by viola beach the british indie band's self-titled debut album was released posthumously after the four band members and their manager were killed in a car crash damn that's crazy in february 2016 Viola Beach came out five months after their deaths and features nine tracks. <clears throat> How did that happen? We got to look this up. 
Viola Beach car accident. Let's see here. Wow. Oh, dang. That thing is jacked up. Holy shit. Damn, yeah, I could see why nobody survived that. Good lord. So if you like this car is like literally, I mean, you can you can barely recognize it's even a car. And it looks like it went off into the water too. Somehow it looked off a pier. Yeah, something like that. Wow. That is super incredible. Holy crap. I want to look at the pictures more just to kind of see what happened here. Oh, they have, do they have video of it? That's, that's kind of bad, huh? It's not like, it's not like I want to see the video because they have video of them dying. Like it's not what I want to see, but at the same time, I want to know what happened. It's freaking interesting. Let's see. Let's see if we can find an article on it. Get out of here. All. Let's see here. Viola Beach. Oh, God, dog. It's a dog barking. Cra this episode's crazy, isn't it? It's a weird day today. Weird day. All right, anyways, let's move on. I'm sorry. I, I wasted time on that. I couldn't, uh, couldn't find any more info. We'll come back to that. Viola Beach, if you're interested. Straight off the streets of motherfucking Compton by Easy e son. One of my favorite albums. Hip-hop artist Easy e died in 1995 of AIDS. I remember that. Very clearly, I was in the eighth grade sitting in gym class with Mr. Stocky, and I found out Eazy-E died. Sad. At the age of 30. His second studio album was released 10 months after his death by Ruthless Records and Relatively Records. DJ Yella, Eazy-E's former NWA bandmate, helped complete the 10-track album. Rest in peace, Eazy-E. Skins by Extentation. I'm not familiar with this person. Skins was released December 2018, six months after 20-year-old controversial rapper was shot at a motorcycle dealership. Wow. The album features Kanye West, and it debuted at number one. Are You Still Down by Tupac Shakur. One of the best. Are You Still Down, Remember Me, was the first album released by Amaru Entertainment, which was Tupac's mother's imprint and handled all the late rappers' posthumous releases. Released on November 25th, 1997, the double album had 26 tracks, went multi-platin, selling 4 million units in under a month, proving how influential Shakur's music was to the hip-hop world even after his death. The Cry of Love by Jimi Hendrix. With tracks like Easy Rider and Angel, Jimi Hendrix reminded fans why he is one of the greatest guitarists of all time in the first posthumous albums. Another one, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon by Pop Smoke. Brooklyn rapper Pop Smoke was shot and killed in a home invasion in L.A. in February 2020 at the age of 20. Damn, hella young. His studio album, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon, was released five months after his death with some help from fellow rap artist 50 Cent. It flew up the charts, hitting number one on the Billboard 2020. Introduce Yourself by Gord Downey. Huh. The Big Picture by Big L. Originals by Prince. I just want to know what the number one is. Do you guys want to know what the number one is? I'm getting down. We already talked about Prince a little bit. 
Richie Valens by Richie Valens. Another great story. Died in a plane crash, 1959. Had hits like La Bamba. Madonna. Man. Oh, Sublime by Sublime. The SoCal ska punk band was finding their groom finding their groove after their first two albums garnered attention though it was the release of their third self-titled album which would skyrocket them to fame unfortunately their frontman bradley noel wasn't around to see it so sad having died of a drug overdose two months after or two months before the album's release the album features some of their biggest hits including what i got wrong way santeria so crazy so sad we had todd z-man zalkins on and he was uh, a great guest to have on and shared some of the stories sublime he was one of their good uh, buddies and, and kind of manager roadie uh, friend type of role that did a lot of the partying with them and I think he was actually the last one to talk to Bradley before he died uh, that night I think they were, they were actually out here I want to say in Marin or Santa Rosa area somewhere around there they did a show and uh, Todd talked to him before they left the show and then when he woke up the next morning he found out that he had passed uh, I don't recall what episode that is, but if you want to go back and check it out, it is somewhere Todd Z-Man Zalkins in the Sober Guy Library. Talks a little bit more about that. But, man, Sublime had some huge hits. I still listen to Sublime to this day. It's a great summer music, great jams, Long Beach, uh, Natives. Um, that was a good good time in history, that's for sure. Aura by Jenny Rivera. Not familiar. Mexican-American singer Jenny Rivera died in a plane crash in December 2012. Hmm. The Buddy Holly story by Buddy Holly. That's another album I need to get on vinyl. Same thing, same plane crash with uh, Richie Valens and J.P. Richardson, also known as the Big Bopper. Reminds me of Saved by the Bell, the Big Bopper. Anybody know that? Richard Belding, the Big Bopper, when they had a radio station. No, no, nobody. Sober Part 2 by Lil Peep. Lil Peep. The accidental drug overdose of Lil Peep just came two weeks after the rapper turned 21. You know, I got to just say this, man. Doing drugs is fucking stupid. Okay? It kills you. It takes lives. It's absolutely dumb as fuck. So don't do it. We see all these kids out here like Lil Peep trying to come up and make a bunch of money and make some rap music. I never heard any little peep stuff. I'm not saying anything I, to judge it. I don't know the music, never heard it. But what I do know is they create this image that uh, a lot of kids take to, and it's about doing drugs and being high on, Zan on Xanax and all the, you know, doing the thing. Same shit I did and listened to, so I'm not trying to sound like a hypocrite. I did the same damn thing. But the difference is I'm a little bit older now, and I understand a little bit that that shit's not cool, and it's not okay, and it's not a lifestyle that you can adhere to, and many of these, these people are playing a character. All of this is a character. It's fake. Everything we're seeing right now is fake. To some extent, it's not the reality. The reality is our day-to-day. That's reality. And to be able to, um, to be able to live and live out a, a, a long life, you know, and ha or ha at least have the best chance to do that, our bodies can only take so much abuse. And at some point when we continue to overdo it and overdo it and overdo it because we're trying to escape or, or maybe we're trying to make a name for ourselves or whatever it is, we die. 
And Lil Peep is another example of that as of the so many others that have overdosed. And it's extremely sad and it's extremely, uh, it doesn't need to happen. And so let me just say something. If there's anyone young listening to this shit, I, I thought the same thing. I wanted to be in the music business myself. I tried that. I, I never, never made it or whatever. However you want to put it. I thought making it was back in the day. It was, oh, this big record deal and you're a, a rock star and you do a bunch of drugs and that shit's stupid. It, it doesn't make you any cooler, any better, anything. So just stop right now. All it does is destroy your life and then you die at a young age, like straight up. And it just sucks, man. I hate seeing it, but I just want to say that shit's not cool. So what's cool is being sober. What's cool is being a good friend, helping your family, being um, educated to the best of your ability about, about uh, you know, your own reality, I guess. Um, serving others, that kind of stuff. Man, that's the shit that's cool. That's the shit that lives on. So, excuse excuse me, let me get off my soapbox real quick. See, you hear the passion a little bit? Got a little passionate there. It's okay, right? James Brown. Hey! <laughs> Live at the Apollo, volume four by James Brown. I was trying to do the Eddie Murphy impression of James Brown. It's one of my favorite stand-ups ever. He's in the red, the red leather outfit. Hey! <laughs> What the fuck is James talking about? I don't know. Just keep singing. We're getting paid. <laughs> the godfather of soul, James Brown, died of congestive heart failure in 2006 at the age of 73. Super sad. Lived a long, good life, though, right? A lot of hits. In a 2016 review of his posthumous album, James Brown, Live at the Apollo, Volume 4, Oliver Wayne, writing for NPR, called the live performance a marvelous time capsule. Absolutely. A legend in himself. The <sighs> Mysteries Dom Sathanas by Mayhem. Not familiar with that at all. Died by suicide. Mayhem's debut album wasn't released by by that time. Wasn't released until 1994. By that time, vocalist Deed. Vocalist Dead. Oh, his name was Dead. Okay. And guitarist Euronymous was murdered. What the? Holy shit. By that time, vocalist Dead died by suicide and the guitarist... Euronymous was murdered in a crime that shocked the metal world. Wow. The Norwegian black metal band's album received overwhelmingly positive reviews from critics. Huh, interesting. Never really heard of them. Loyal to the Game by Tupac. Tupac's just an OG. He got so many, so many albums, so many songs. Songbird by Eva Cassidy. So, so this can't be number one. Eva Cassidy only achieved fame posthumously. Her album Songbird was released 1998, two years after her death of, at age 33 of melanoma. Origin not not and I, sh I shouldn't say that. that sounds like an asshole. I didn't mean that like Eva Cassidy Songbird. If you love Eva Cassidy, I'm not too familiar with her. What isn't wasn't uh, couldn't be number one. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's awesome. I don't know. Maybe it sucks. I'm not really sure. I've never heard it. But all I'm saying is I would think that I'm, I'm wondering, I don't really know that these were in any certain order is what I'm getting at, but it was released in 1998. Gosh, she died of melanoma originally released by indie record label bill six records. What's your, what's your number one? If you had to pick one out of all of these, and that's a really tough pick because there is a lot of albums in here. But I would say for me, if I had to pick one that I have actually not just saying, oh, that one's a cool one. I wish I like if I had to pick one of these that I've actually listened to. And there's a few of them where I've listened to the full albums all the way through many, many, many times. I would say 
man, this is really tough. I mean, you got Johnny Cash, you got Biggie, Tupac, uh, Nirvana. That Unplugged album is so good. I think I would probably have to go with that. If I had to go with any of these albums, and, and mind you, there's a lot of them that are good. That Unplugged album is great, and I would definitely see that as one of the ones uh, that would be probably top three on my list. I'd probably go with one of the Tupac albums. I'm not sure which one. Don Caluminati. It's a good one. Mac Miller. I didn't I didn't listen to a whole bunch of that Mac Miller album. In any case, what would yours be if you had to pick one? Amy Winehouse, another good one. Jimi Hendrix. God, there's so many of them. I hope you enjoyed today's uh, little light podcast. I try to lighten it up a little bit. It's a crazy ass time right now and uh man it's a roller coaster of emotions but uh we can stay sober hang in there do the best you can i know i ain't perfect i know you're not perfect don't expect to be perfect it's progress not perfection um stay plugged in reach out if you need someone go to that sober once again at real that sober guy on instagram at shane raymer on twitter thanks to promises Check out the show notes for any of the links mentioned in today's podcast. I love you guys. Thanks for tuning in again. Thanks for supporting the podcast. I'm just doing the best I can. That's it. I hope you're doing the same. Peace, love, and respect. Keep your blood clean.